Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. My name is Mick Rathbone. I was lucky enough to play for Preston from 87 to 91. Then I was doubly lucky. I went back as physio from 95 to 2002, which were seven fantastically successful years. I followed David to Everton. I had eight years there. I've worked for nearly every football club in the league now. I'm currently like a boomerang. Funnily enough, they were laughing at Finch Farm today. Baz, you're like a boomerang. I'm now back at Everton. So I'll keep going and keep on there. I've tried to retire for the last four summers. And people always phone me up and say, come on, one more year, one more year. So, you know, like the American people with the president, four more years, four more years, yeah. with me, one more year. And it's nice to be wanted, isn't it? Thank you very much for coming on. I think you're... Pleasure. You're probably going to be our first, well, you are our first, and you'll probably be our only ever assistant manager, player, physio guest on the podcast. Um, yeah. Jack of all <laughs> trades, master of none. The funny thing was, last year I did some work in the Caribbean with Willie Donachie. We went to a tiny island called Montserrat, who were yeah. the lowest ranked in world football. And we went over there, and incredibly, we won three out of four games, including beating Belize. It was sensational stuff. But in the last game in the Cayman Islands, when the uh, sheets went into the referee, it said, physio, Mick Rathbone, assistant manager, Mick Rathbone, fitness coach, Mick Rathbone, goalie coach, Mick Rathbone. <laughs> so there you go. You've got four lots of pay. But I didn't. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so you, your career started out at Birmingham. Um, how did that all come about? Was it just a case of you were scouted as a young lad and then went on yeah, from there? It was a different look, it's a different era. There was no academies in those days. You went to school, it was about your education. I went to a grammar school in Birmingham. I wanted to be a doctor. I studied hard. I love my cross country. I love my rugby. I love my football. We all wanted to be footballers, but there was no reality. We weren't on the conveyor belt. We dreamed about it, but the education. Education came first and we did all the sports and that. Then when I got to 14, 15, you get picked to go for trials. I was captain of Birmingham schools and also Warwickshire schools. In those days, in the 70s, Birmingham, Coventry, Warwick were all in Warwickshire. I was yeah. captain of them as well. like you know. So I had, had a good schoolboy career. And then when you're 15, 16, then the scouts come to the Warwickshire games and Birmingham games and say to my dad, Mr. Rathbone, we would like, this is Birmingham Villa, West Brom, Wolverhampton, Coventry. Uh, we would like your son to become an apprentice. I was a massive Birmingham fan. I could walk from my house to Birmingham's training ground. So it was a no-brainer. Yes, yeah. I'll come. The headmaster and my dad were really upset. They begged me to stay on, do A-levels, go to university, which like nobody did in those days, and become a doctor. But no, not when the club you follow, not when you've got the pictures on the wall of that, you know. So I said, no, Dad, I want to try and be a footballer. And that was it. I left school at 16 uh, and went to Birmingham City, literally walked up the road. The old training ground at Birmingham was right by the airport in those days. Right. You know, so I lived by the airport. 
and walked across the fields to Birmingham's training ground. So it really was the local lad. So how how was it at Birmingham? I know you've touched on it when you did the with the pod, uh, I know you touched on it when you did the podcast with uh, Parky and Brownie. It, it was. I'm paraphrasing uh, Taylor too. It was the best of times. It was the worst. My first year was magical because yeah. I wasn't in a system at six, seven, eight, nine, ten. To all of a sudden at sixteen to go to Birmingham's training ground and see the players who were all over my wall and speak to them and be around them was fantastic. I did really, really well. Unfortunately, I got in the team and didn't do great. Did okay at first, but the pressure of playing for your hometown club was too much for me at 17, 18 years of age. Yeah. I had a terrible time with confidence and, 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 and mental health, I suppose you would call it now. Yeah. Didn't want to be a footballer, didn't want to play football anymore. Jim Smith saved my life. Jim Smith had gone from Blackburn to Birmingham. I didn't want to play anymore. I spoke about it in my book. I just wanted to leave. I would do anything. I'd go and you know dig up somebody's garden. I'd be anything other than a footballer. Yeah. And Jim Smith said, no, come on. You, we, you can do it. Let me get up to Blackburn. Never heard of Blackburn. Didn't know where he was. Let's get up there. Go on loan. They were division below. Went to Blackburn. And the rest is history. That, that kind of separation of 120 mile. Yeah, you're dropping down from the top to the second level. So I guess it's easier. But it was a separation. It was not having the, the your uncle, your aunt, your sister, your yeah. your schoolmaster, your friends on the terraces. It was definitely that. Yeah, you know, they almost, almost like you were taking yourself out of it without taking yourself out of football. It, it was really funny because I get the train up to Blackburn, I get picked up, I go to the stay in a Woodlands Hotel, which is right by where I live now. I walk up on the night to a pub that's now closed, bought myself a pint, sat down, and people were coming over and they were saying, oh, you know, and because I'd stepped down from the higher division, I played for England Youth and that, uh, they were kind of really pleased to get me there and really excited about me joining. And I guess for the first time, I felt a star. And then I went into Blackburn. My first day's training the next day, I went in and there was a guy called Alan Birch, you know, who, who's been at Leicester for years. He does a town, he's a legend down there. And he took me in and he was staying in the same hotel. He's, he drove me in and said, look, Smith Rathbone, we'll call him Baz. And I was in and that was it. And the yeah. rest is history. I, I, I really discovered my love for football. I played nearly every game for eight years, barring a broken leg and stuff, yeah. uh, and, and had a good career. Yeah, you made well over 250 appearances for Rovers, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was a magical time. Um, really. So how, how did the move to North End come about from Rovers then? Okay, so I'd had eight years at Blackburn Rovers. Bob Saxon, who we loved, got the, got the sack. Yeah. Which, which he had a great time. Eventually, it comes to an end. It happens to every manager, doesn't it? Bob went and Don Mackay came in. Uh, I played a couple of games and I injured my hamstring a little bit in that four members cup. I think it was a quarterfinal, semi-final. And I never got injured. I'm a, great, I'm a great believer in fate. I didn't play in the final. That caused me... Uh, I understood that. But he went with Chris Solly, which is his prerogative. Mm-hmm. But that really upset me. Um, and I decided then it was time for a change. It was just coming into that freedom of contract where you didn't have to keep signing for the club. And the club couldn't make you stay if you didn't want to stay. Yeah. But you had to go for compensation. So I turned my contract down. Um, I didn't want to move house, which is pretty weak, isn't it now? Like, you know, um, I'm still in the same house now. And then I met 
John McGrath and I liked it. Preston were up and coming. They just got promotion. Yeah. Went to a tribunal, which was quite a harrowing thing to do in those days, you know. Um, <clears> it was like um, Lytham, the uh, Football League headquarters. Yeah. And you go in and the Blackburn chairman, that uh, they explain why they want 60 grand because you're such a good player. And the Preston people explain why they're only prepared to pay five because you passed it and you're not that good anyway. So were so, you so actually we, in the tribunal? Yeah, well, you go in, you speak to the panel and they kind of ask you what you think and what you're worth. And it's really awkward, it's difficult because you don't want to fall out with Blackburn. The Blackburn chairman said, Bill Fox, who you thought the world of? And yeah. It's kind of flattering that they want you to stay, but you've made your mind up and... Preston obviously want to get you they're saying look you got him for 40 grand he's played nearly 300 games he's now 8 years older and in his late 20s we see him as being worth kind of 5 grand and that and then you go out the room and then the two kind of bored people go in and, and argue I hope not and then the funny thing is I went outside and I sat in Keith Lehman's jag he was the chairman of Preston and please please don't make me too expensive I don't A the pressure you know, and I don't press to have to pay a lot of money for me, you know, so the expectations are low. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sat in the car thinking, oh my God, what's it going to be? Because it, it could be 60,000, a lot of money in them days, 87 and that. So I sat in the car and then the two front doors opened, McGrath got in, Keith Leeming got in and they both stood and said nothing and then Keith Leeming turned to John McGrath and went, well, John, he said, you know, he said, you can't win them all. <laughs> and then, John McGrath turned around to me and went, effing hell, son, 20 effing grand for you. You better <laughs> perform, pal. So I thought, oh, cheers. So it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a very enjoyable experience. So Yeah, I can imagine it being quite awkward. And that was it. And I was at Preston. It was AstroTurf. And I was really excited and pleased to play for Preston. I'm a real student of football. So now that's the second founder member I'm playing, playing for. Like, you know, I've already played for Birmingham, but I played for a Blackburn one founder member. Now I'm playing for Preston, you know. So I love the history of football. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm 61 now. I was bought up when the FA Cup final reigned supreme. Your only live games were FA Cup final, then the Saturday after England, Scotland. You absorbed every second of that day, the whole day on both occasions. And like, you know, now... I'm not saying it's not better. Of course it's better. I can watch 100 live games. But in them days, it was magical, the FA Cup. And I was really lucky later on to go there with Everton, like, you know, and be that guy coming out of the hotel with his new suit on, the helicopter spinning around, all the people in the hotel, the Grove, on the sets, clapping you onto the boss and the helicopter following you through and the Wembley way, like, you know. So yeah. I had all that to come, you know. Um, how was John McGrath to play for then? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Me and Kells, I'm at, I see Alan Kelly every day at Everton. And I was at Forest two years I told you I've worked for every club in the country. <laughs> I was at Forest two years ago with Gary Brazil and every morning like it, it was like, oh my God, do you remember when? Do you remember that? What about when? I saw Kells, I've just come back from Finch Farm. I saw Kells this morning and we still both talk to each other in John McGrath's voice. Like, you know, it's so <laughs> weird. It's just weird. He had such an impact. But if you look at his track record, it was incredible in terms of taking Tony Ellis from Altringham, was it, or Northwich for 5K and selling him for 250 and taking Gary Brazil from Fulham and selling him on. And So what he actually achieved was, was amazing in that. Yeah, he frightened us to death, but 
we wanted to play for him because he produced successful teams. And I wasn't, I, Big Sam would say to me, he saved this club. He came in when they were playing on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock. They had no floodlights and no rock bottom. I went to a couple of them games over from Blackburn at the time to watch that because there were games on at three. And I went over there and, and they were on the knees, you know, 2,000 people on, you know, getting players with the greatest respect from amateur football to make up the team. And yeah. I watched them play twice and lose twice. And but it was a death knell for Preston North End Club. And then Big Sam came in. Uh, sorry. Big John came in and Sam said to me, Baz, you should have seen it. He opened the door at both ends and a tornado blew through the club and he took him by the neck and took that club up and that night, you know. So I've got great, great, great credit. It's really funny because I, I, John Simon, I really liked him and that, and, but I was scared of him, you know, in, yeah. in, in a nice way. We're all scared of him and he's bollocking and that like, you know. And then when I went back as physio, he was doing some like radio work and of course, it wasn't the same dynamic. He wasn't dropping me, shouting at me, subbing me off and that like, you know. So I was a physio and Preston were flying then, big Moisey taken over. Gary, Gary was there, but the gone. It was success, success, success. And I'd see John commentate a lot of our games. And my relationship with John became really friendly and nice and warm and kind of avuncular. And so I saw that like in his last few years, we had that really nice relationship. Yeah. Because a couple of years before, he took me to Halifax and that. And that didn't really work out for John as a manager. But to be fair, it was such a difficult situation. And, mm. and, and most managers didn't do great there. But obviously, it, it, it wasn't great. We lost a lot of games and I was a physio there. And, and when I was a manager there, to be honest. But then later on, I met John a lot after all our games. And he was the press guy. And we had a lovely, warm relationship, yeah. like, you know, based on mutual respect. So... It was really, really nice, the whole kind of journey with John. Yeah, I suppose that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's them little things in football that you can that you can cherish. Absolutely. I, I, I thought the world of him. And as I say, it, the impact now, my lad plays for Rochdale. So I see Tony Ellis now and again. Yeah. And I see him mainly in pre-season friends when he stood on the side of the pitch and go and have a chat. And it always goes back to being John. If I see Sam, which is rare now but when I worked with England I saw Sam a couple of times at St George's Park always goes back I saw Kells this morning it was the big John voice and the mannerisms and what do yeah. you think you're doing it's <laughs> unbelievable with Gary Brazil two years ago it's unbelievable how it's transcended time yeah. and you know you talk about larger than life and that and he, he was something else that guy yeah, um, yeah. so how, how was it moving from Obviously, playing at Rovers on a normal pitch to playing on the plastic pitch at Deepdale. You know what? It, it was okay. I'd have been. People would have said Basil would be the last person by AstroTurf because of all the slide tackles and stuff like you know. But you know what? I never really thought about it. And like, um, I didn't want to move house. Yeah. And Bob Saxon had gone there as an advisor, so Bob kind of pulled me over. But I was really up for it and that, and it was it, it wasn't an issue the AstroTurf. When I look back now, and I, funnily enough, at Finch Farm today with a couple of senior players, we had a little jog around the AstroTurf because the new AstroTurf is so soft. You can do like jogging on it or play on it or train on it all the time. Yeah. But that, that one we had, it was really terrible. It was rock hard. And it was so quick. And on, on a kind of, on a wet, windy day in 
December, the ball skins and it had gone and that like, you know. <laughs> and, and like, I remember once we played in all white in them days and I remember sitting in the dressing room at half time and every single player had the red strawberry on both knees from the slide yeah. tackles and stuff like, you know. So it, it was bad. I, I've just been limping around because I've had three ups on my left knee and it all started on the AstroTurf back yeah. in, I think, 89, my first surgery. So my left knee now, I'm hanging on in there and I still run it every day, but it's more or less gone. There's no joint surface left. And that probably goes back to the AstroTurf. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't have swapped it, as I say, to play for Blackburn for eight years, then the Invincibles for four years and wear that lily white and be part of that. All right. We didn't have a great team at the time and that, but you're so proud to represent that club. Yeah. You know, as I say, I'm a great student of football and I've worked for every club in the country more or less now. And I went to Blackpool and they were a rock bottom in the championship, seven points from 17. But you know what? And it's supposed to be an anathema for a Preston fan to like that club. But they treated me fantastic. And I pulled on that tangerine shirt. I was only there for three months between England camps. But I love working there. I did a couple of weeks at Crawley because I knew the England doctor there and the physio was indisposed a couple of weeks. Went down there and felt proud to pull that shirt on. I worked at Wigan and felt proud with that. And uh, Forest was fun. That's a great club, Forest. I loved it there, but I, only, I could only stay here because I didn't want to be away from home. And yeah. So, you know, I, 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 for me, it's all good. There's no bad shirts, no bad clubs, you know. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been told that Brian Mooney was a very, very good player. Um, how was, was it to play with him? Absolutely fan. Well, you know, we had some top players. Here's another one. What I went to, I worked at Manu for two years, not as a physio, as a kind of sports psychologist with the 21s. And Wallen was the manager. So there again, I was with Wallen every day. And we spoke about John McGrath nonstop. So I've got, I've got, I've got a really question now. Uh, Brian Mooney. Oh, we had some top players in that team. If you look at that team, if you look at Ellis, Gary Brazil, Warren Joyce, Brian, John McGrath would always say it in the meeting, like when he'd do his like uh, apocryphal talks and that, and he'd always talk about, he used to tell us, he gave a talk one day, me and Warren Joyce talked about this all the time. He come in and he said, you know, he said, he, he said, I've got a fruit salad, I've got a fruit salad. He said, Tony Ellis, he said, you're my strawberry, you're the extra bit, you're the expense, you make all the difference in the salad. Brian Mooney, you're the kiwi fruit. On your day, it's delicious, but we don't know what we're going to get. And that, unfortunately, somebody's got, you know, bolster out the fruit salad and, and, and bars and water, you're my banana. Not everyone's cup of tea, but you sit at the bottom and we need you to pad out it. And if we haven't got the banana, we can't have the fruit, you know, we can't have the strawberries on top and the kiwi fruit. So, <laughs> Brian Ellis, he, he, was, he was the kiwi fruit. He was that somewhat a bit special. Yeah. He, you know, I've been lucky. I've, I've played with the Trevor Francis and players like that and that. But he, he would go in my all-time 11 team. He yeah. was, God, he hated losing. I got used to it because we lost so many times over the years. <laughs> like, you know, it beats you down in the end. It's just another day out of the office. He used to go crazy. He'd come in if we got beat on deep down all the way from home. He'd go mad. He'd be kicking everything and going crazy. Like, you know, it's a pity when he went to Sunderland that he had the injuries to his knees and that, and he weren't yeah. quite the same player. But he was a great guy, funny. All, we were all great friends, and it was a big social thing as well. And the yeah. sun was at the head, sorted out the night side. That. that was the nature of the game. And Brian, was a special player. 
special player. Your time at North End was a bit stop-start with injuries and stuff, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that was that something that sort of helped you make your mind up to move into becoming a, a physio? Yes and no. At Blackburn, I played a hundred straight league games once. I had a broken leg at Blackburn, so I missed nearly a season. But I was. It was really funny at Everton today. I was talking to Andre Gomez, and uh, I was saying I'm never injured. And Danny Donnacker did. He said, "Right, stop right there, Baz." You're actually always injured. <laughs> so the truth of the matter is, I got to Preston, and for the first time, I had a lot of injuries. I ruptured my medial ligament in a tackle. Bad luck. I fell over and broke my wrist. More bad luck. Somebody did overhead kick, kick me on my face and broke my cheekbone. So they were just unlucky Jesus. injuries. Yeah, yeah. And then later on, I tore my cartilage. So I did have a kind of in them four years. And that, you lose all the momentum, and you lose a lot of the love and the desire and stuff. But even so, even though I wanted to be a doctor in school, I didn't really think that much about it. And then when my final year was up, the club said, listen, we're going to let you go and that. And I said, not an issue. I'll just have a day off and that. Les was the manager, Chappie. Yeah. Uh, and he said, we'll try and get your role at the club. I said, that's really nice, Les, but I, I, I'm fine. It's time to say thanks. And, you know, I, I don't want to play if I've got a bad knee and I've had loads of injuries and that. You want to give value for money. And then I had a plan to start selling clothes and do well and go into the fashion thing um, but you get a shock then you see because you're out of the game and you haven't got you're not a doctor because you left yeah. school at 16 didn't you and you know what you loved your career but you didn't earn 100 grand a week you mm. didn't earn 100 grand a year you didn't earn 25 grand a year so you haven't got any money but you know what you've got two young kids because you are you're not 60 you're 32 so you know what you're actually in quite a tight corner and when the shirt comes off you're not Baz anymore you're the guy who hasn't got a job and you haven't got your A-levels. You've got nothing, actually. You know, you might have been worth knowing and entertaining when you were running down the wing, but you're not now. Yeah. So I got a real shock. Incredibly and fortunately, the PFA decided they want to train um, ex-professional players to become chartered physios to get the best of both worlds. So was that, they, was that like a done a thing then across the board where there was quite a few? Of it was the very first year. Right. It was the very first year. And Mickey Burns expressed it. And the education officer, he said, look, he said, we've heard you quite bright. You needed seven O levels or something. And in the 70s, they were hard to come by seven O levels. I could get 10 now if I was just t- tying my shoelaces up properly. Like, couldn't I couldn't, <laughs> you know. So they were hard to come by. So they, they found it hard to get the eight people with those qualifications. So they phoned me up and said, would you like to go on the course? I wasn't interested in going to university at 33 for four years. But my brother came up from Birmingham that weekend, it was August Bank Holiday, and I told him, he said, go, please go, do it for me. I said, I'm not interested. He said, Michael, please go on that course, please for me, please. And when I was in Sydney, and when I was in Sarajevo, and when I was at Finch Farm today, and when I went all around the world, business class, and when I went to the FA Cup final and Champions League and worked with the best England players, I'll never forget the look and my brother's effect to say to me, for me, Mike, Michael, please, please go. Please do it. And God, if you hadn't come up that weekend, I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have been out with Yeri, Mina today and Andre Gomez and them lads working with them. and that. I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been in the cup final. I wouldn't have been in the Champions League. I wouldn't have done any of those things. So it was incredible, the coincidence of that. 
Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, how such a little thing can have such a massive yeah. impact. Yeah. It, sometimes I think at night, I think, God, what if Martin hadn't come up that bank holiday weekend and I'd have gone into the fact now, I may be the next uh, Yves Saint Laurent or, or you know, Carl <laughs> Lagerfeld, you know, or, or close to Nottingham Forest, Paul Smith, because obviously I worked in Nottingham, he's a Nottingham guy. So I, I, I might have been that, you know, if you have drive and energy and you work hard, you may be successful. Yeah. But I would never have experienced that. I would never, ever have flown to all the games. I've been to America about, God, 15 times now with Everton and, I've been, I think I've been to every country in Europe with England and Europa League with Everton. Yeah. The magic of that, that night at, at Deep Dark winning on pens against Birmingham. Yeah. Afterwards, God, me and Moisey were like going off our eggs in the dressing room. And, oh my God, we couldn't believe it. We're in the playoff final. So I wouldn't have had any of that, would I? Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't be sat here. Quarter to five, I'd be, I don't know, probably working from nine till six like normal people do. <laughs> You know, um, you mentioned before that you went to Halifax. How was that? Obviously, I think you had quite a few different roles there, didn't you? Oh, again, it was fantastic. It, it, people come on on the internet about the Shea, the Shea, and you know, I loved it there. It was fantastic, and I've been lucky. I've worked for Everton, Man United, international teams. I worked for Crawley. I worked for Preston in the bottom division, um, and I, I've worked for Halifax Town. And to me, it's all the same. I, I like them equally, all the same. Yeah, Finch Farms training ground is, is slightly better than where we used to train at Halifax. So I, I went to Halifax, selling clothes out of the boot of my car. <laughs> I just started. I just started university. Yeah. John McCrass said to me, "You're studying to be a physio, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Come and be our physio next season." It was the end of the season, so I was just sort of starting university. He said, "Come and be our physio." I said. I'm, I'm not qualified. He says, well, if we pay you terrible wages, it won't matter, will it? So I started on 200 quid a week, 200 quid a week, and that was it. And I was like, the physio at Halifax, um, every Monday and Thursday, I left at one, drove to Salford, and was there from one to half eight at night. Yeah. All through the closed seasons, you work full-time in hospitals. So when I, when I look how lucky I've been, I look back at the hours and nobody did that. Nobody put those hours in. Yeah, so you've grafted kind of to get to where you are. But Halifax was fantastic. So John was a manager, didn't happen. By Christmas, bottom of the league, going bankrupt. Uh, he, he resigned and that. And they asked me to take over. And like, I had no aspirations to be the manager. And the real funny thing was, Jimmy Case, the great Liverpool player was at the club. He was a fantastic guy. He was so humble, you know. And... Later on in my life, I always tell this story because when I was at Man United, I was picking up some rubbish one day and Nicky Butt said to me, come on, Baz, you shouldn't be picking up the kit. And I said, oh, no, 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 because when I was at Halifax Town, we had Jimmy Case. And Jimmy Case used to always pick up the kit. And I, I, I never forgot that, the humility of the guy. But yeah. anyway, so I'm now the manager. I'm the manager of Halifax Town. And we're going, we, we, we won a few at first, drew a few. And we were going on the team bus to play at Scarborough in the league, league two, weren't it? And I always used to sit by Jimmy at the front. And I said to Jimmy, what do you want to do when you finish playing? He said, oh, he said, I want to go into management. I said, hang on a second. How am I manager and I don't want to be? And you want to be manager, but you're not manager. How's that work? <laughs> and he turned to me and with those most prophetic of words, 
He said, Baz, he said, if you start your managerial career at Halifax Town, you'll finish your manager at Halifax Town. You've got no bloody chance, mate. So that, that was that turned out to be prophetic. But I liked it. And you know, yeah, if you're the manager, there's obviously ten times more pressure, especially when you're bottom of the league and going bankrupt, going out of the league and selling to survive and that like, you know. But there's a hell of a buzz that you set the standard, you decide we're gonna do some running today, we're gonna do a five aside, we're gonna have tomorrow off. And you know what? We I was in for about twenty-three games, I think we won four, drew five, lost thirteen or fourteen, which was I'm proud of that, and the players gave me everything, so we're all really proud of that. We got to the last game of the season, but um, them four games we won, I'm telling you, when that final whistle goes, there's no feeling like it because yeah. when you're manager, you're kind of distant from it. So when you're a player and you get beat and maybe play rubbish, at least you're coming off tired, fatigued. I've had a bad game, but I'm sweated. I kicked him, he kicked me, he shouted at me, I shouted back. I should have scored, he should have scored. That, at least you've participated. But like when you're in the dugout, I, I know you're kind of shouting on, but you, you're not kind of running those feelings out of your system and you're not sat there after thought, well, we got beat, and, but at least I ran hard and I played okay. You know? And it all centralises on you as a manager. So the highs are incredible, but the lows, my God, you're on the floor after defeat and that. Yeah. We won the four games and... We won at Darlington 3-0. And I'm telling you, when that third goal went in, and you know you're safe with 15 minutes to go, there's no feeling like it in the world. In the dressing room after I got a big cigar there, so I was smoking a cigar. <laughs> and I said to the lads, you're off Monday, and they all cheered. I said, you know what? You're off Tuesday, and they all cheered. I said, I'll tell you what, you're off Wednesday. The chairman grabbed me, he said, Baz, he said, calm down, we're still bottom of the bloody league. <laughs> but that is the point about being the manager. The highs are atmosphere, the, the lows are the worst. You can't get it out of it. And, you know, when I was at Everton, and, and we, we had great times with David there. David's a fantastic manager. You know, I, I hope he gets a chance to show how good he is. I'm sure he will at West Ham, like, you know. But um, sometimes the players will say to me, oh, bloody hell. David is this, David is that, David is... I know he's your friend, but, but, but... I'd say, hang on a second. Understand the pressure. I've had that pressure as a manager. David's got it now, and you can probably times it tenfold from yeah. Halifax in front of 2,000 people to Everton live games. I said, he handles it well. He's fantastic to play for, you know. So I understood how the pressure... I used to look at Dave on a morning of a game. We're down at Chelsea, we're at Man United. We've got Liverpool at home. And I'm thinking, God, blimey, I feel sick and I'm the physio. Yeah. But, but having said that, he was born to manage. He's a great manager. He knew that from the day he started playing football, he wanted to manage. And he never showed that nerves and he didn't drink and he didn't have a fire and he didn't go mad. He kept himself together fantastically well, which I guess is why he's got to be a top manager and I would never have been that, you know. Yeah. So, so how, how did you end up moving back to North End then? How did that happen? I actually, we got relegated, obviously. Halifax were in the conference. They kept, they were brilliant on the board. They kept me on um, so I could, I could do my degree and still work at the club and I did all the different jobs and Peter Rad came in. We were great friends. Then John Berg came in, ex-Preston player. We were great friends. But they were struggling for money again. And, you know, John Burge got me, says, Baz, 
they, they, they've gone money-wise. We're going to have to let you go for the money and that like, you know. But he worked out fantastically well because that was in the March where he had to complete eight weeks of my final placement to become a charter physio. I thought, wow. I didn't really want to leave and I was sad, but I understood it. But I thought, you know what? This is unbelievable. I can leave at March, do April, May, June, become a charter physio in July and be ready to work in the league. I was one of the very, very few who'd be an ex-pro in charter physio. So I thought, yeah, I'll get a really good job. On that course with me was like Nigel Adkins, uh, a guy called Mark Taylor. Oh, who else were there? Uh, Rick Holden, the ex-winger. Yeah, there was uh, Roger Wilde, who's worked at Stockport for years. Mark Taylor, who went on to be head of sport at loads of different clubs in the Prem and that, like, you know. So we were all good friends and that, like, you know. So it worked out well. And I was doing my last bit of placement and that. I've done my finals. I was at Black. I worked at lots of nearby hospitals, but I was in a Blackburn hospital. And it was a tough day, seeing loads of patients, outpatients and that. And you start worrying, we'll ever get back in football. And somebody said to me, Mick, I called me Mick at the hospital. Mick, there's a phone call for me at the hospital. And I picked it up. You don't know me. It's Gary Peters. I want to offer you a job on what was really good money when I've been at Halifax and that. Yeah. Wanted to start in June, which was like four weeks. So I'd finished my finals. I had two weeks hospital. It couldn't work out. I'm going back to Preston. Baxia bought them. So the trajectory was going to be up. Yeah. And I went in and I went in at the end of June, my first day as a bona fide, fully qualified chart physio. They were in the second division then. The rest is kind of history. My first running session, I went over the park with Kev Kilbane and uh, Gareth Ainsworth. <laughs> so <clears throat> we went running over the park. They were both 18-year-old lads and that. Paul McKenna just got the first pro contest. We went running around Moor Park on my very first day. And it was amazing. And you, you knew that Gary had... He, he, he put a great team together, you know. Yeah. If you look at um, Graham Atkinson, Bryce, Sav... Wilco, Fenners, Moisey, Russ Wilcox, excuse me for forgotten anybody. That was a top team, you know. The team that won League Two and then Dave took and won League One and to the, yeah. that, that that was a terrific team, you know. Kev Kilbanner was coming into the team, Luke was coming in goal, weren't he like, you know? Yeah. That team that we won we won the last game at um uh, Hartley pulled in with that year. That was a damn good team that Gary Peters put together a damn yeah, good team I, I started coming on it would have been 2000 2001 around that time so I, I yeah. sort of missed the back end of yeah. Gary Peters and then yeah so you, you probably got on for the uh, Millennium playoff game didn't you yeah I think that uh, was my mum took me down for that one uh, against yeah, Bolton yeah yeah. but you know the thing about football when you've been in as long as me and worked for nearly every club you end up knowing everybody. So yeah. every club I go to, you know about 10 people, like, you know. And interestingly enough, my lad's agent last year, and he's a good friend of mine, Michael Ricketts. Oh, right. The guy yeah. who scored, scored two in that game, like against Preston. Yeah. Isn't it weird how, like, you know, all these faces keep cropping up from the past and that, like, you know. And even now, I'm at Everton with uh, Kells every day and Dave Onsworth. And yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so how, how was it, obviously, coming back then? You had Gary oh, Peters and, and everything he did, and then obviously... It was, it, was fan, it was fantastic, because it was really... I was, they, were, they treated me unbelievably well. Mm. So I was on, I think, about £400 a week. 
and, and it was okay, the young kids, but I was I was back above water because Halifax had been great. It was a means to end, but obviously it was difficult driving over that way. But now I'm back. Now I'm a chartered physio. Now I've got a job at a club that's got money now and back to put the money in. Got great people in charge, spending a bit of money very cleverly. It's only going in that direction, like, you know. And after about eight weeks, Gary got me in. He said, Baz, he said, I'm telling you, we're over the moon with you. I played every reserve game that season, I think, like, you know. He said, we're over the moon with you, you know, the way you work, running with the players, your fabulous jokes that we all still love. So he said, I'm going to put you on £500 a week and we're going to give you a year's rollover contract. So, you you know, if, if another manager comes in and wants you out, we're going to give you a year's wages. And that was one of the best days of my life. I remember... Coming out the, the meeting, I thought, oh my God, I'm on, I'm on really good money now. But I've got that year's rollover contract. And I remember me and Bryce was going over the park because we didn't have Springfields then. It was either Myers Co. or Moore Park. Yeah, yeah. I remember me and Bryce, Bryce was injured, obviously. We was doing a running session. And I remember running with Bryce. And I was so happy. I could have ran. I could have broken the world record. We did, <laughs> I, we did, I don't know what we're doing, but I remember thinking, my God, this isn't touching me. I'm maybe on the third lap of Moore Park and or we're doing some strides along that boulevard there. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm feeling no you know, you know when you lift a card off an injured child and you look back after you, my God, I've lifted a fifteen ton car. It felt <laughs> like that. So they were amazing to me. And then when Moyes left, uh, David left, he said straight away he said, Look, he said, uh, I want you to come with me. So I said, okay assuming it gets sorted out with the club. He dragged on a little bit and um, Derek wanted that money on the contract, which mm. is entitled to ask for because I'd slept at night for eight years knowing they couldn't just sat me. And yeah. they gave me everything. were like, oh, come on, Baz. They got you for nothing. You've done eight years. You've worked like kind of 358 days a year for eight years. Sure, they're going to let you go for nothing. We're not paying for a physio. And I said to Dave, I said, I get that, I completely understand that, but I'm not leaving Preston unless it's sorted out. Yeah. I'm not just going to break my contract. I've slept comfortably for eight years knowing I've got that contract. So I really want to come to Everton. I really want to be with you, Dave. But if the clubs can't sort it out amicably, I'm not just leaving. Yeah. Now, Preston couldn't have done anything. That wouldn't have done anything, but I'm not doing that. And you know what? I've left all the clubs like that. I left Forest. I said to Forest, I'd stay for one year. Uh, Mark Warburton got me to go there with Dave Will. I did a great year. Karanka came after six months. I got on great with him. He really, really asked me, please stay, please stay. But I couldn't. But I worked my notice of six months. I worked through the summer um, when everybody else had left and that to do the job properly. And you know what? If you leave the right way, you can always go back. Yeah. yeah. You can always go back. Yeah, you've not burned any know, bridges, have you then? No, and it's important to me. Preston treated me fantastically well. Honestly, Denny Shaw is a really close friend of mine. Brian the Kickman, God, I spent more time with him for eight, eight years and with my own wife and that. We were so close. And, that. and I, 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 you know, I played for the club. I said, you know, but you leave under the right. And then you can leave with, with handshakes and that and, you know, in the right way. And that. Yeah. So I, I can't think of a single negative about those eight years. 
The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanks Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanks Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. How was it working under uh, David then? Obviously, you've spoken very, very highly of him so far. Uh, just sort of like on a day-to-day, what was it like? Oh, uh, just fantastic. Honestly, funny if we talked about it today, I was running around with a couple of the Everton lads and they were asking what, what he was like when he was here. And I said, just fantastic to work for. I go in every morning at 9.15, give my report. He asked me 200 questions and chundered a bit and kind of raised his eyebrows and that. But, you know, as great managers do, you know, that, that you know they're, they're not passive. They want to know. Well, Bass, you know, you're saying Louis Sahar three weeks. I've got him in for that game in two weeks. Come on, can we bring it forward? Yeah, I'll try that. I'll speak to Louis. Let's push on. Obviously, there's a greater risk, or whichever player it was. So yeah. it was quid pro quo, but it was always done as close friends and professionals. And that staff of uh, Alan Irvin and Jimmy Lonston, and um, later on Steve Round and that, you know, uh, Andy Holden, and Chris Woods, and that. We were close friends, close friends. I don't know if it's like that. I don't know if staffs are like that anymore. I think they're probably not. But we had an unbelievable bond, those guys at Everton. It was, it was a great place to be as well. So how was the and, dressing and room? Go on. Great. It was great. But, but Dave, obviously, when Dave took over, they, they, they finished low, low. They were in a downward trajectory. Dave took over and did a fantastic job. Yeah. As did the players, Wayne emerging as well was a massive thing for the club. And Dave kind of took that and he went, no, that's not going that way, that's going that way. Yeah. And he got the scouting going and the academy going and he did an unbelievable job. So how was, at, at North End then, how was the transition from Gary Peters to David coming in? It, it, was, it was okay because, you know, you, you, you understand that that's the nature of it, isn't it? You know, mm. Gary Peters, I thought, was brilliant. He, he brought really good players in. This, the next year in league, so I think we finished okay. Then after that, we kind of stalled. Uh, and it was clear that David was exceptional. And, and I think it was right for everybody that Gary would stand aside. Gary probably even engineered it. I don't know what, it's nothing to do with it, what, what went on. It wouldn't surprise me if Gary was right behind it as well. You know, Gary had done a brilliant job. And then all of a sudden, you've got Dave outstanding, exceptional, going to go to the very, very top. And now it's Dave's time now. And then Dave took over and, and then the momentum picked up on that line, you know. And then he, he, I think in his first year, did, did we win the League One? And then, then we got the playoffs. No, playoffs, League One, Gillingham Donos, won League One the next year, yeah. into the championships, playoff final, wasn't it? So just great times. And, I've been really lucky. I've been at a club. I've been at clubs mostly when we're winning. I've had some experience of being at clubs when we're losing 
and I'm telling you, when you're at clubs, when you're losing, it's not nice. It's really difficult. It's difficult to be happy. It's difficult for anybody to be smiling and optimistic and that. And those constant defeats, uh, we had it at Blackpool. I was only at Blackpool three months, but you, you lose. And then I went to Wigan with one and Joyce and they were mocking the championship and you're losing most of your games. With the best will in the world and the best positivity, it sucks a life out of you. Mm. And it makes you feel rubbish and it makes every day rubbish. And it makes every Saturday night rubbish and every Sunday rubbish. Yeah. And mainly, I've been looking, mainly I've been at clubs that are winning, winning and winning promotion and that like, you know. In the eight years at Everton, I think we probably had seven winning seasons out of eight and probably four or five top six finishes. And that. So I've been very, very lucky. How, um, how do you think David got, because obviously I think it's quite clear that from his time at the club, the, the dressing room was top notch. How, how do you think he went about that? Do you think it was as much the players as him, or uh, he, he signed impressing his strength of character, his winningness? You knew with Dave, you were going to be winning. So you know, if you want to, if you don't want to buy into this, you're going to miss out on something fabulous. Yeah. And he's not waiting for you. If you ain't buying in, you're gone. You know, it was Dave's show. Dave was absolutely on fire. He was going only in one direction. And the players knew you're buying or you're gone. And yeah. for a lot of the players, who with the greatest respect, were, were, were obviously lower league players who were playing the lower league at that point. You know, they knew that, you know, that, that this was their chance to shine. And they, they could see that. And I'm going to include uh, myself and Jimmy Longson and Kellen O'Hanlon. And Brian the Kitman, that was essentially the staff. Tony Scholes was fantastic. Brian Gray oversaw it all, like you know. And they knew something good was happening here. We could, you can smell it, you can feel it, you know. You know that this, you, you know, one year you come back and the Tom Finney stands done. Next year you come back and the Bill Shankly stands done. The next year you come back, the Alan Kelly. These aren't messing around. We're in Springfield's full time now, so you understand that this is the time to be at this club. Yeah, everybody felt that and sensed it. But he had some very, very good players as well. And he had some great pros like your Graham Alexanders and your Chris Lachettis. and You know, he had some top, top people at the club. Yeah. And, and they, you know, even the young lads, the Kev Kilbanks and Paul McKenna's were fantastic. The David Luke's is really good pros. If anybody got out of line, and off the top of my head, I can't even imagine it happening. The, the, the lads weren't having it. The Lachettis of this world, you know, Chris had played, you know, a, 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 a Halifax or not, he'd been released from Rochdale and Halifax got relegated out of the league and that like, you know. So Chris had tasted that side of it and Chris can see this is special. And everybody yeah. wants a piece of that, like, you know, and I've been relegated at Halifax as a manager of that. And I want a bit of it. I want a bit of Dave being manager of the month again. And I want to be on those flag market steps again like we were last year. So everybody the momentum is incredible. You can't stop it, you know. Unfortunately, momentum in the opposite direction is pretty much the same. But everybody smelt it and knew it. And I give great credit to Tony Scholes as well and Brian Gray. They, 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 they did their roles fantastically well. Mm. Brian, <coughs> obviously, was a chairman. He sat well above everything and did a fantastic job to support stuff. <coughs> Tony Scholes was great. He comes to the training on every Friday. Every Friday afternoon, me, him, David, Kellum and Big Bry would always have cakes at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and me or Bry go who has a return to get the cakes we'd have a cup of tea and we'd have the sit down with the, with the big cream cakes and we'd discuss the week and the game tomorrow and that but we were mad for it you know to use kind of a to paraphrase a famous kind of Manchester phrase we were mad for it and like 
me and Dave couldn't get enough of it. And if we had a home game on a Saturday afternoon, me and Dave would be at Cotton on a Saturday morning. What's the young players play? Yeah. You know, then I'd get to, then I'd get to um, deep now. I'd get changed at half 11, 12 o'clock. Take the injured lads either, either on the track and terraces or when, this, when the gym got built in the gym and that. We couldn't yeah. get enough of it. And Dave, Dave would say to me, Bez, have a day off. I'd say, you have a day off. I'll have a day off. We didn't <laughs> have day off. We didn't want day off because we wanted to be successful. We wanted yeah. to be on the flag market. We wanted to be at the next level and that. So we didn't have days off. And, you know, it was really funny when I, when I got to Everton, like, you know, um, some people would say like, oh God, you're working on a Sunday. We've got Spurs away Sunday afternoon. We've got Chelsea away live on Sky. For me and Dave, that, that word working on a Sunday, that we'd strive to be working on a Sunday at Chelsea and at White Hart Lane or at home to um, Liverpool in the Merton. We wanted we didn't we we didn't want days of in Lou for that. We didn't want our Sundays off. We couldn't get enough of it in those days. Yeah. Um so obviously that you mentioned it earlier, that that game in the well, the two games in the playoffs against Birmingham, there was the obviously the away leg first. In the build up to that, what what was it like being sort of inside the dressing room and well a, a bit nerve-wracking because for me it was the biggest game I've been involved in. For Dave, it was the biggest game he's been involved in. For a lot of the players, we went away and we stayed at a hotel in Shropshire, nice, nice and quiet and that. But there's always, when you're in the medical department, well, I was a medical, I weren't in it, I was the medical department. Yeah. Ranks, Mark Rank had a problem with his hamstring and it was touch and go whether to play. He really wanted to play and that, but I decided, no. Normally, it's a conversation between the manager, the player, and myself, a yes or no, and probably a, a two-to-one vote would sway. But I dug my heels and said, no. I said, if he plays, he breaks down and misses the second leg. And he weren't happy ranks, but he knew deep down it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And he missed that game. We got beat 1-0, didn't we? Yeah. When ranks was chewing away at me, saying, an effing joke, I wanted to play Baz, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, I said, I've saved you now. You score the winning goal. And he scored the winning goal, didn't he? Or the equalising goal. I think, I think he did, didn't he? One of, yeah. yeah, he definitely scored in the game. I can't, I can't remember if it was the uh, the equaliser yeah. or the one that got us back we into it early on. Yeah, and then... we was winning 1-0, drew one all, went 2-1 penalties. Yeah. Then there was the drama. For me, the personal, the highly personal backstory was that's my team. We're playing against Birmingham City, those badges and that. But... And I played with Trevor Francis and that, you know, and I'd had a really difficult, unhappy time at, at Birmingham City, you know. So for me, it was like the backstory as well. Yeah. Obviously, were, were you wanting rest- to get one over on them then? No, no, because no, I obviously wanted to win, of course, but, you yeah. know, re- really love loved the club. It was my club's board, not far from St. Andrews <clears> and that like So, but 100% wanted to win the game and that. <clears throat> but as I say, it was weird because they were, they were post season games. So everybody had finished on the 7th of May. It's now probably the 20, the 18th of May. I think the playoff final against Bolton was probably on the 29th, 30th of May, or that bank holiday, maybe even the 31st. Is it the 31st of May? Yeah, there is. It was, yeah. it was right, it's that weekend, isn't it? You know. Yeah. So you've got that kind of strange dynamic. You're driving home from training. We're training on the pitch every day now because we've only got Birmingham. Uh, sorry, we've only got Bolton. There's no more games on deep down. So we're training on the pitch every day. You're driving home. But on, on Moore Park and those those goals are gone now and summer's coming and that. But you're still in training and that. Yeah. You're preparing for the biggest game in that kind of weird backdrop of, yeah, but 
the goals have gone off more park and everybody's forgot about football now. But you're uniquely in every day preparing for that game. It's warm and summer-like and, you know, all the leaves are out on the trees. So it's a real weird kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, what what was sort of your point of view when you saw, or presuming you saw Jasper Carrot bringing all that champagne? Well, me and Big Bri, we'd been there all day in the afternoon and that like, you know. And I'd met Jasper many times when I played for Birmingham. I'm a big fan of his and that. And, you know, he, he didn't overtly do anything wrong and that. Looking back, he probably wouldn't have done it again, like, you know. Yeah. But he bought it in and Big Bri went, bloody hell, Jasper, you ain't there yet. He went, no, no problem, mate, no problem, mate. And Brian says, we'll see, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was memorable, like, you know. But he's a lovely fella, Jasper Carr, yeah. lovely fella. Yeah. Um, but you don't kids. No, exactly, exactly. Um, so when, obviously, when you found out about David going to Everton, did you sort of, did he come to you straight away and say, I want, I want to take you, or...? Yeah, the, the day he left, I think Everton had sort of two or three games to go. Mm. And he said, Baz, he said, I'm going to Everton. He said, the clubs are sorting out. I'm literally going. I'm going now. You know, he said, I want you to come with me. I'll sort it out in the summer. And I wanted him to do really well. And I yeah. thought he would do really well. I was kind of ambivalent. You want to work at the top level, but when it's so good. And you know what? Um, Lummy and Kel took over. It was probably for the last five or six games. And they were great. They were close friends. They did really, really well, you know, because mm. we weren't, we were a bit off it then, like, you know, and then they, they both did really, really well. They came out and, and their time to shine, they did really, really well. And then um, it was the summer of the Korea World Cup. Yeah. And we had a massive, long, long break. For, for, I don't know for, for why. For, the season finished early because it was the World Cup and that. We had about like eight weeks, nine weeks off, a really long summer break. And Craig Brown came in. And yeah. Craig Brown came in a couple of days just to see me, really, because I was the only one kind of left because Lumbee had gone with Dave. And there was me and Kellum as well, yeah. So Craig introduced him. I thought, what a fantastic guy. And, you know, he'd say, how do you work things, Baz? I said, well, we get the players in every day. And uh, he said, Sunday? I said, yeah, we get them on a Sunday. He goes, Baz, don't you dare ever come in here on a Sunday. Everyone's off Sunday. Your family's more important. Uh, he was a lot older, a lot more experienced than that. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Dave was making his way and it was a different time on their kind of timeline as well. But you know what? He was fantastic. I yeah. really liked him. So me staying at Preston with Ke still Kel there and still my best mate, Brian, and the same team, but Craig and Billy Davis, who was a really nice guy as well, coming in, that was fine as well. You know, we're still in the championship as well. Yeah. So I weren't sat by the phone waiting for it to ring. And it didn't ring for a while. And then I was in Minorca on my kind of seven-day holiday. And then Dave phoned. Then he said, look, we've cleared the way now. We want to come over and that way, you know. And I said, as long as the clubs are okay, I'll come and that. And then that happened. And, you know, in football, things happen very quickly. Yeah. I'd left Wigan. I'd left Wigan and I decided to retire. So that was two summers ago. And I was sat on the beach with my wife in Marbella. We have not so much time together because you work seven days a week and that like, you know, especially when you're head of medical at Everton for eight years and that. And I was away a lot with the England teams. And I sat on the beach at Marbella and, and I was on the bottle of beer. I said, that's it, Julie. I said, I'm going to do a bit of this, a bit of that, but it's our time now. God, the phone rings. It's Dave Weir. He goes, Baz, will you come to Forest as head physio? I said, yeah. <laughs> so, 
then one minute you're kind of planning your retirement together, and then like 30 seconds later, you're thinking, oh dear, <laughs> you know. You're back in the job, back in the job again. And then I've done my year at Forest, and I said I can only do one year, because I lived in a flat down there. It was a fantastic club. I, I loved it so much there, but I promised my wife only one year. And then I came back, and no more than that, like, you know. And then Danny Donaghy, the guy who's still head of medical at Everton, he was under me when I was his boss. He's now my boss. He went, Baz, the only 23 physios left come to Everton. I went, you know what? I'll do it with the 23s. It was Unzi and Franny Jeffers, John Ebrill, and Kells was a goalie coach. Yeah. I've never worked with, with an academy. I thought, I fancy that. So I went, and we won the double that year. It was amazing. The lads were brilliant and that. And then in the summer, I, I was in the bank. I said to Unzi, I said, Dave, I'm done now. I only came to the end of the season. He said, Baz, F off. I said, no, Dave, I want to see his... He was having his breakfast. It was just in a, I went early to see him in, in, in the um, restaurant at Lavanga. I said, Dave, I'll do my month's notice. I said, but I'm leaving. He said, Baz, and I'm telling you to F off. I said, Dave, seriously, I'm leaving. He said, Baz, you're not. Go away. <laughs> I thought, oh, I better stay. So I stayed another year, and I'm still there now. So and while this COVID's on, obviously the 23's on training. But yeah. I've been back... I'm working now with the first team in the short term because I picked up a few bits and pieces and that like, you know. Yeah. I've got to say, it's been great to go back in with the first team and work with, we've got a few injuries at the minute and that and be that, that, be that sharp. I'm not, I'm not in charge, obviously, now. Danny's in charge. But be that sharp in again. It's quite nice, you yeah. know. I guess we're um, all a little bit affected by that, aren't we? Well, yeah, exactly. It's it's a strange old time at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you you came back to North End, didn't you, for the end of the 2010-11 season? Yeah, that was great. Was that under Phil Brown? It, yeah, what yeah. that was, Undy phoned me up. Undy was a, a player, um, youth team coach. He said, Baz, they've got quite a lot of long-term injuries. What are you up to? I said, well, I'm doing a bit of this, bit of that. Me England work, which is like eight, ten-day camps a year, so I'm yeah. pretty free in between. Like, I'm kind of semi-retired. He goes, would you fancy coming into Preston and looking after the long-term injured lads who are way off and that? I said, yes, if your physio is 100% happy. Mm. He said, well, he said, he, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. So I phoned Jacko. Yeah. And he was, um, oh, God. Oh, come on. He's at Bolton. He's a great guy. Um, oh, God. Begins with B. Oh, God. I'll kill myself. But... I phoned them both up. I said, look, this is what happened. Could we meet for a beer? And we met for a beer. I said, look, if you're 100% happy of me coming back in uh, and helping helping you um, with the long-term injured players away from the lads who are close to being fit, I'll come. If there's 1% of you that's not ho- happy, yeah. then I'll phone on to you now and say, look, I've changed my mind. And they, Jacko, and, oh, my God. It's going to drive me crazy. I, I, I know what you mean, went, but I can picture it. He went to Bradford. He's at Bolton now. He was. A, he played. He was a goalkeeper. He's a fantastic guy. Fantastic friend. Oh, going to be. Oh God. Anyway, is he physio at Bolton? Said, yeah, he's a main physio. Yeah. So I said, then I'll come in, and I went in probably three or four afternoons a week, and now we're bottom of the league. And Matt Barrett. It was. Thank you, Matt Ballas. And Matt, I'm sorry. God, Matt's a real good mate of mine. 
And funnily enough, my last game for Forest, we were safe, Forest. And Forest done well when I was there that year because they nearly went down the year before. They were safe. But they had to play Bolton in the last game. And if Bolton didn't win, Bolton were down. And I, I, that was the last game I thought I'd ever work. It was the last game of the season. So I did the game and that. We stayed at the Worsley Marriott. And I felt bad for Matt because if they lost, they were going down and probably bankrupt as well. Incredibly, I think we were like three one up with a couple of minutes to go. And then Bolton scored two goals. Was it Wilbram, who's yeah. now with my lad Rochdale? Life's, I tell you, life's weird. Yeah. They scored in the last minute. I drove because it was my last game. I drove my car from Nottingham up, and I was going home to Blackburn. So Ita was fuming. Obviously, they were well gutted after that game. So Forrest got on the bus and went, and I went with Matt and had a couple of beers. And to be fair, I was kind of glad that Bolton had won and stayed up. Like yeah. you know. Obviously, they went down the year after that, you know. Yeah, it's so, one of them, though, isn't it? football. So, I presume, then, that Jacko was all right with you coming back in the end. Fantastic. Great guy, great physio. He'd had tough times. He'd had a couple of relegations, and yeah. he was a bit tight at one stage. And I say to him, hang on in there. Hang on in there, Jacko, because it will change. It's a great club, this. And I know it's tough now, but there were, there were a couple of managers who I won't mention who he, he really didn't like, and he really... Didn't, I can, I can, you know, I can probably it, guess a couple of them. It, yeah, didn't did really. You know, I, I don't know those guys. Yeah, but I, I know he, he. He they were losing a lot as well, which is the main problem. And that might, you know. And I say to Jacko, hang on in there, hang on in there. And then it changed. And then yeah. managers came in who were successful, and managers came in, and because it was successful, everything's more relaxed. And now he's loving it under Alex Neal. They've got a playoff chance because some real good young players there. Yeah. Preston have bought fantastically well. The likes of Ben Pearson, who I had with the England teams, he was in my first ever England Euro group. And then I had him at Man U in that brilliant under-21 team they had. So yeah. I know Ben really well. I know, uh, I'm going to see, no, I can't remember, um, Josh, Josh. Josh Harrett. What's his name? I know Josh really well as well. Like yeah. you know, He was in my lad's youth team as well. So that they've bought fantastically well, some real good young players. Yeah. I had Tom Barkus in at Blackpool. And I always said to Tom, I, I, I think you're a really good player, Tom. And he'd had a real difficult time there, you know. He, as everybody you're sort of losing every week. Yeah. And I said, Come on, Tom, keep going, keep going, keep going. You're a good player, you've got pace and you're brave and you score goals and he, he had a tough time at Blackpool. Because didn't he nearly like, pack it in at Blackpool? Yeah, and then he goes to Morecambe and the rest is history. So yeah. Tom's a real good mate of mine as well. Like, yeah. yeah, so you've obviously been involved in the game for quite a long time. Um, how much has it changed now compared to... It, you know what? This is a complicated answer. It's changed incredibly. But you know what? It's still warm-up, five-a-side, crossing and finishing. So... Yeah. The, the infrastructure and the paraphernalia is changed like you would not believe, like you would not believe since I started playing in the 70s. But the nucleus of the game, the bones of the game, dare I say the important stuff is yeah. actually exactly the same. You've still got to win your personal battle. You've got to still put that ball in the back of the net. Yeah. I saw some footage recently of some really old-fashioned training in black and white of some Rovers players in the 50s running around doing these exercises, functional drills and throwing balls. And 
that's all come right back in now over the last five years. Yeah. That functional stuff that we would have laughed at 15 years ago as being old-fashioned. So it all comes round and goes round with that. But certainly the preparation, the infrastructure, the video analysis, it's changed incredibly. When I was at Halifax, bag with the medical gear in, bag with the kitty. Halifax town, two bags, let's go on the bus. Now, with England particularly, we go across to Europe and that, a whole minibus would go with the coach full of equipment. It's, it's the way it is. Is it better? Is it worse? It's different. Yeah. But, you know, I've changed with the times, you know. I've adapted. I used to hate sports science. I've en- um, enveloped it now. I understand it better. I embraced it. I work closely with it. You know, I'm a big advocate of it. So I pride myself that even though I'm old school, born in the 50s and that, I've, I've changed and adopted and I think been a good team player because once at a time it was just me. And then when I first went to Everton, Moy said to me, Baz, you've got a team now. There's a doctor, a masseur and two physios. The balls in your court, do what you want with them. So all of a sudden, from me being the, 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 the guy who cut your nails, the guy who did the conditioning work, the guy who manipulated the backs, the guy who uh, massaged you, the guy who drove the minibus to the reserves, the, the guy who diagnosed injuries, I'm now part of the team. And I found it really hard at first. When I saw the masseur, Jimmy, who's still there, Jimmy Cohen, a great fellow at Everton, when I see him massive, massage, I thought, oh, I should be doing that. You find it really, really hard to let go. Yeah. It's special. Yeah. So it's changed a lot. Uh, for the better, for the worse. I don't know the answer to that, but it's just changed a lot. Yeah. I've spoken to Sean Gregan. Firstly, he sends his regards. He's, um, he's a fantastic guy. A fantastic, he made me laugh out loud once. I've got to tell you this story. Moise is trying to, Moise is trying to you know, bring in all the latest stuff. Yeah? Yeah. And like, obviously, the lads are still wanting a beer and that. And Griggs will tell you, he was a big drinker. And yeah. it was that the famous Belgian drink, like, you know what I mean? Anyway, we're in one Sunday, and the guy from, um, it's called SAQ. Right. And it's, it, you know, all the little hurdles, SAQ, you'll see it on it, speed, agility, quickness. And a guy comes in to present all the players and the staff this latest technology. So yeah. he puts the ladders out with the SAQ on, and he puts all the things out. And Griggs, he stood there, probably with a hangover, totally unimpressed. And the guy goes, right. What does SAQ stand for? And Griggs goes, Stella Artois, quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I laughed out loud. I thought it, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but that, 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 I guess, is a great kind of uh, story that tells you how the old was, the new yeah. was coming in, ending with the old and that, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he said to ask you about his anaconda legs. And the odd time that he turned up for you with treatment and he was a bit worse for wear. Mate, you know, oh, God. Sometimes on a Sunday, he'd come in for treatment with a massive hangover. But luckily, <laughs> his girlfriend would drive him in and that, like, you know. Yeah. And I, I, cause I understand about human beings and that, like, you know. And the, the, plan, the plan was probably we're going to do some running on the pitch, some terraces and then some gym work and that. I said, I'll tell you what. Lie there and make you a cup of coffee. So, <laughs> but but you know, but do you know why I did it? And do you know why I let him off? And do you know why I bent over back to accommodate him? 
because he brought his A game to every match. Yeah. He won every midfield battle. He was an absolute giant in midfield for us. And we couldn't have gone to that next level without Greaves. Yeah. We got him for about, I don't know, 200 grand from Darlow, Darlington. And I let him off with all that stuff because, by God, he bought his A game. Yeah. If he was a bad, let's say, HIT on a Friday, uh, sorry, on a Saturday, the games, I wouldn't have let him off with that. But I tell you what, he bought his A game every week. <clears throat> yeah, there's been a lot of comparisons between him and Ben Pearson as well from fans recently on, yeah. on social yeah. media. Yeah, I think um, Greaves probably drink more. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, Ben might, might spray the ball around more, but Greaves would probably spray the stand around more. <laughs> but Greaves was, a, Greaves was a proper, proper good footballer. Yeah, yeah, and no, I used to enjoy watching him. As I said with that SAQ, that come out in a microsecond, that yeah, quick. just dead it quick. Was really, yeah, it was really, really funny and clever, and the lads adored him. Um, Callum O'Hanlon said to ask you about custard and elephant's foot well we, <laughs> Callum talks funny doesn't he Callum's got this weird like northeast accent and when we had the cakes on a Friday so I was good at impersonating people's voices so mm. Moyes would say Guys, are we getting any cakes are we getting any cakes today I'd say yeah it's my turn to go and get them so this happened every Friday without fail the same terrible banter so Moyes would give it the, Baz, are you going for the cakes? I'll go for the cakes. Then Tony Scholes would come down. He'd see the cakes. He'd go, let me know, David. Cream cakes on a Friday. Cream cakes on a Friday. We've not won the league yet, David. Yeah. And then, so that was the next bit. Every Friday, the same thing. Baz, you get the cakes. Cream cakes on a Friday, Baz. So we'd have that awful banter. And then <laughs> the coffee Renoir, I'd get one there for Kel. And Kel called it an elephant's foot. So Keller come in and go, I'll have an elephant's foot in that accent how he speaks. So every week it was the same backdrop. First, you get knee kicks, cream cakes on a Friday. Bloody hell, we've not won the league yet. Elephant's foot. So it was the same every Friday. <laughs> the same terrible banter. But you know what? It was team build. It was great. And the cakes were great. But we sat and as friends, we discussed the week. And Tony, so anything you need for tomorrow, guys? It, it was as good as it gets, mate. Yeah. Um, so just got a few questions for you. And then, and then we can wrap up if that's all right. Yeah. So this one's a bit of a double barrel one. But what was your best time from, best time from your time? Sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> what was your best moment from your time at North End, both as a player and a physio? Right. As a player, I think probably when I scored that goal against Bristol City on that windy day, come on, the internet the other day, it was a cross, I can say now, it was a cross, and the wind took it, it went in off the crossbar. <laughs> that was a great moment. That was a fantastic moment. God, the celebration when I scored that goal. I scored a good goal at Mansfield as well. So we, we didn't really, we got in the playoffs one year, didn't we? But that, that, that was. That was probably, I guess, yeah. the free kick when he took the wisdom when he like, you know, come off the bar. And I scored that really good goal at um, Mansfield. Went off the bar as well. That's my speciality, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> so that was that. As a physio, oh, so much, mate. God. You, you know, one special thing. The, 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 obviously, the, the beating Birmingham was great and, and the playoffs and getting there and that. But, you know, 
when we won League One, it was David's first year. We were already up, I think, but we mm. wanted that league. We wanted to win the league. And it was between us and another club. And we played at Cambridge, and we played at Cambridge, and we lost that last game of the season. Was it not between North End and Burnley? I, I, I'm not I, I'm not sure who it was, but we and we weren't champions, and we got beat at Cambridge one nil, and that it was a hot day, last game of the season. And me and Dave, it's a long corridor. We'd run up. The players aren't on the pitch with the fans because we're still promoted in that. Yeah. But it weren't enough for me and Dave. It weren't enough for me and Dave. And we were sat uh, probably with. Kale and, and Lurie, I think, was there then, yeah. And we were sat with our head in our hands, disappointed because we wanted to win the league. And then somebody, I think Lincoln might have lost, someone up and said, so-and-so have lost. And all of a sudden, we'd won the league. And to me and Dave, that was it. And me, Dave, and I think Kale and that, we got in a circle and we were holding it out. And that was special. And that was away from everybody else. And that was something you probably wouldn't realise in that. And I'm telling you, how far is it from Cambridge to Preston? 220 mile. I think we stopped at every pub, mate. I think we stopped <laughs> at every pub. Got back at about two days later. But it was that. It was that kind of not accepting that, just going up. It was, no, we're better than that. We're champions. And, and for Dave, I think we are champions with Gary, weren't we? Yeah. And I think we are champions with Dave. And ups up, but champions is, you're getting a medal, aren't you? And, yeah. and it, it was special. And that yeah, team deserves to be champion. That. So, so <clears throat> it was, and it was that kind of couple of minutes, and it's a long corridor. None of the players were in there out on the pitch. It was just us four. It was kind of isolated, and it was a bit surreal. And then somebody said, "I thought it was Lincoln. Your champions, lads. It might have been the Cambridge kit man. Your champions." And that was a, a special because it was kind of we knew we were up. Yeah. It was veering towards disappointment to kind of after the Lord's Mayor. Then all of a sudden, no, bang, champagne, every pub on the way back. <laughs> Squires. Squires, see you in three weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was the best player that you played with at North End? Brian Mooney. Yeah. Brian Mooney was fantastic. If he'd have gone, he went for 200,000 to Sunderland, had lots of knee surgeries, I believe. Uh, so they never saw the best of him. He, he was fantastic. Yeah, what my, was I say? my father-in-law compared him to, um, he said he's, he's a bit like how Aidan McGeady was. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. But Ian Bowie was very, very good. And Tony Ellis was terrific. And Gary Brazil was terrific. And that was a good team, you know, Swanee and, you know, Big Sam and skillful Bob, and that was a decent team. Kells in goal, you know, yeah. some good players. So that was a decent team. But Brian Mooney was fantastic. Yeah. Um, similar then again. Who who was the best player from your time as a physio at North End? I that first team was fantastic with Wilco and Sav and uh, I said before Bryce and, and uh, Lazar Graham uh, Armstrong, isn't it? Yeah. That was a top team, but I'm going to say Griggs. Yeah. I'm going to say Griggs because he, he was so lovable, talented, silly, self-destructive, vulnerable, likeable, comical. He had every trait you'd love in your best mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could go for a pint with him on a, on a Thursday night, carry him home, and he, he'll score the winning goal for on a Saturday and drag you up the league and that. He, he, he was just a fantastic guy. 
Um, if you could go back and give yourself some advice from when you were at North End, whether it's as a player or a physio, uh, what would it be? God. Nothing. I did everything right. I, I tried my hardest in every game. I got some bad injuries. Unlucky that it was people kicking me. I didn't just fall apart at the seam, did I? And, and as a physio, you, you make mistakes, but you learn by them and that. You know, I did everything with the best intention. And uh, I never asked an injured player to do the running I couldn't do. Yeah. So, um, and, and I was lucky to be a part of something special. And I, I played a, a small, a small part. You know, I'm not getting carried away. I played a small part. Probably significant, but a small part of that, like, you know. Yeah. And I think looking back at my whole life, I wouldn't do anything differently. I did it all the same. and I do my best every day and uh, I try my hardest and uh, I try and make people laugh first and fit second, you know. <laughs> so that's probably odd for a physio. It's working at the moment. New material, new audience. Yeah. Um, have you got any stories or any memories that you've not shared from your time at North End that stick with you? I wrote in, I wrote in my book about uh, the worst injury I've ever ran onto in them days was uh, Steve Bashan broke his leg against Tramlia. Yeah. I run on and it's kind of hanging off at a funny angle and he's screaming like, you know, and he knows it's bad, but he can't know just how bad it is. Mm. And the lads are actually holding him down to stop him looking like, you know, and I'm looking down at him and I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I getting him off on a stretcher in front of all these fans without him screaming the place down? Cue an incredible stroke. And look, it was uh, Rob Edwards. Rob's comes running up and he screams at the referee. He screams at the referee. He goes, not even an effing yellow card. Look at his legs hanging on by a thread. <laughs> at which point, Bass fainted clean away and we took him off the pitch. <laughs> Very fortuitous. God. Um, so the last one then, if you could put a five-a-side team together, either from players that you played with or players that were there while you were a physio, or a bit of both, uh, who who would who would it be? Gosh, uh, I do all the running, so I do all the running for them. Uh, I, I'd have to have Bogues, uh, but they wouldn't probably get the ball back from him. I'd have me and Warren, the bananas from before, and I'd have Tony Ellis, Gary Brazil, and Bogues. I'd have them being the strawberries, and me <laughs> and Warren could just keep running nonsense because me and Warren could like run all day, like you yeah. know. And when we got to work together at Man United, we go running together. And when we worked together at Wigan, when he was a manager, we went running together. Like we were both in our late fifties then, and we we're just obsessed by it. So yeah, me and Warren to uh, you know push the piano around, and uh, Mooney, Bogey, and Brazil, and, and Ellis will have six to play the lovely tunes on the piano that me and Warren had pushed up for him <laughs> to play. Um, yeah, no, I think unless you've got anything else that you want to say, then we can we can call that. Not, not at all. I, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I love my time at Preston. It's the only club I've worked for and played for. And uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I've been lucky. lucky. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, all the clubs are unique, but, you know, the, the Finney thing and, you know, the Invincibles... And the you know it's got that uniqueness. No one will ever be able to take away from it. You know, so really proud to be a part of it and lucky. And uh, it was it was a great great time in my life and a great vehicle for me. So my cup runneth over with Preston North End. Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.